The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help support the show by clicking on the donate button on the website or in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CANDIDFRAME at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. This is X, and welcome to the Candid Frame. No. No is a word you are bound to hear a lot when you're a working photographer. No, we went with another photographer. No, you can't stand there. No, we can't afford that. There are enough no's out there that it can and does dissuade a lot of people from persevering in their dream to make a living as a photographer. But then there are some photographers like today's guest, Brian Ach, who hear the word no, but don't treat it as if it's a stop sign, but rather as a speed bump. They negotiate through it and around it, and they manage to do what everyone else thinks isn't doable for whatever reason. As a celebrity portrait photographer, he contends daily with celebrities, or more accurately, the people around celebrities, whose job it is to control everything, including the photographer. But Brian creates a space where the seemingly impossible can happen, leaving everyone involved satisfied, and most importantly, it leaves him with a shot. Uh, I, by the way, I was watching your presentations from Seattle because I didn't get a chance to to, uh, to see all of them in their in their entirety. Right. And you're a real pro, man. <laughs> I I had learned a lot from watching you up there. It was uh, it was beautiful to see. Oh well, thank you. I don't know about a real pro, but I gave it a shot. So. <laughs> well, I, I you know I thought I, I I'd start off because. Uh, I was looking at the presentation where you were talking about working with Prince. The great images, by the way. Oh, thank you. But I, I thought, you know, Prince is such... Perfectionist isn't the right word, but he's sort of at the pinnacle of what he does. And it's kind of rare that anybody has the opportunity to be around someone who is on top of their A-game in, in spades. Right. And, you know, you had the opportunity to be with him for a long time, to be really intimate with him for the time that you were... Uh, photographing his European tour. And I wanted to ask you, what did you learn from spending time with Prince and photographing him that helped you as a photographer? That's a really good question. Honestly, I would have to say he is a perfectionist, um, but I don't, I don't think he sets out to be one. I just think that's how he is. I think there are certain people, I don't think you can teach it. I, I just think he he has something inside him, an innate thing that is inside him that determines how he does things. He kind of follows that and that's how he is who he is. Mm -hmm. it, it's an internal drive that you see with certain people. And like I said, I don't think you can teach that. So uh, watching him night after night and his process, I think the thing I took most from him is that it's always about the work. So you always come back to the work. And by that, I mean, you know, maybe the lights weren't to his liking, the sound wasn't to his liking, or, you know, a bunch of other variables 
that maybe he didn't have control over because maybe it was a, a show at a festival and the lights are set a certain way and you can't really change them because, you know, you're following another act or something. But in spite of all those things, it's about the end result. It's about the work. So seeing his work ethic night after night, you know, sometimes two shows in the same venue, like, you know, one the night after the other, just watching him, how he prepares, there was never a night off. Uh, so in my work, I, I've always tried to approach each job like that, you know, knowing that this could be, you know, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's like you have to approach each job, even if it's some small event that you don't really want to shoot or something like that, you always have to approach them with the same outlook, the same passion. And what I learned from him is you have to shoot what the client wants, but you also always have to shoot for yourself. So that's what I learned most about Prince is he performs the hits that everybody wants to see. You know, a lot of people pay for that. They want to see all those hits from the 80s and everything. But on top of that, he also he also does what he wants to do. So in Rotterdam at the Jazz Festival, he started off by playing 45 minutes of jazz. A lot of people may be like, well, why is he doing that? Why is I want to hear Purple Rain, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Prince is playing for himself as well as his audience. So the true Prince fans realized that this was something special and they liked it. And the Fairweather fans were like, come on, Little Red Corvette, you know? So <laughs> I, I feel like you always have to shoot for yourself as well as giving the client what they want. And in, in the end, you want to be hired to shoot what you want how you want well, you were talking about his his you know his ability to be able to control the situation for the most part and that's you know 180 degrees from the typical photographic experiences you have where you have very little control especially with respect to the amount of time that you have with with someone right. oftentimes so right. with all those limitations how can you what's the kind of attitude what's the kind of perspective that you have to bring to the table to make sure that you were getting the best that you can possibly get when there are oftentimes so many limitations that are put upon you? Again, that's a good question. Uh, An example would be yesterday, I was shooting a tribe called Quest, uh, portraits of them for their re-release of their, you know, seminal album from 25 years ago. And it was supposed to be the four members, and I was supposed to have maybe 10 minutes uh, to shoot with them. So I get to the location early. I scout out two locations because my goal is to get the shot the client wants and then get the shot that I think they want, but they just don't know it yet. You know, it's hip hop. It's got to be something interesting at least. And it turns out I don't have 10 minutes. I basically have five minutes and they're like, you can only do one setup. So I said, that's fine. But if we have time, since they're walking by the stairway, if we have time. So I, I first I gently suggest You know, there are a bunch of different techniques and methods you use to get what you want from somebody. You know, you you can suggest, you can suggest and make it seem like it's their idea. So make them look good. You can ask, you can beg, you can just tell them you're going to do it. I wouldn't suggest that unless you really know the person. So with this, I gently suggested early on, I said, it'd be great to get them on the stairs, all backlighted. It would be very cool. You know, they were like, we don't know if we'll have time. We're doing a bunch of interviews. And I always remind them, I say, I'm really quick. That setup will probably take a minute, maybe two minutes. So long story short, they said, no, we don't have time. So I did the first setup. And I think 
they watched me work with the group for about you know two or three minutes. We did a group shot and then some singles, except for Q-Tip because he didn't show up. So too bad you're not in the photos. But anyway, after they saw me watching, then they kind of said, do you want to do the stair shot now? And I said, yes, but I had already set up one of the lights. It was all ready to go. So all I had to do was take one light and move it and shoot it. So, you know, by gently suggesting over and over that I think you really want this shot, I was able to finally get it. I think being kind and being nice goes a long way. And you just have to also know when to, when to say, yeah, you're right, it's, we don't have time or it's yeah, not going to yeah. happen. Because you want to be able to do, next time you meet those people, you want them to think, oh, yeah, that guy was nice. He was quick. Yeah, we can do that. I really loved that presentation that you did at PIX where you were talking talking about this very same thing about when people say, no, we can't do it. And they go, yeah, yeah, no, we can't do it. But if we do have time <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, people are giving you these reasons why they can't do it. And you go, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, you're constantly not accepting that no completely and you just kind of keep receding it and how how that, that works for you. Um, where did you pick that up from? Interesting question. Where did I pick that up? Uh, well, when I first started working for Wire Image uh, 10 years ago, you know, they would say, here's where you guys are going to stand. The celebs are going to come in. They're going to do this. And then you guys can go home. And I quickly realized that if you did that, you got the exact same shot the other eight photographers got. And while that was that was cool for some people, I guess inside I'm a little like Prince and I don't mean talent-wise, I mean I have the drive to where I don't, I don't find that really acceptable that I'm going to get what everybody else gets. I always felt like maybe I can push it, you know? So at that first event, literally, they're like, here's the red carpet, you're going to shoot this. And because I was with Wire Image, luckily, we were kind of at the forefront of this, so, you know, maybe we got a little more access than other agencies at the time. But I would say, oh, can I come in the party? You know, can I do this? Can I pull her aside for a portrait? Because right away I wanted to do portraits of people. So I would learn to try to what I call maximize the shoot. So if I'm supposed to just shoot the red carpet, can I also pull, you know, some celebs off to the side and shoot a quick 30-second portrait of them so that I'm maximizing my time and my access? So early on, you know, like I said in that presentation, if you want to be a portrait photographer, shoot portraits. You can't just keep saying you want to do it. It only worked like one out of 10 events or one out of 10 shoots. You know, you're able to, to get something that you're not scheduled to get. Mm -hmm. And then you come away with that and you're like, oh, I got a portrait of Brad Pitt. You know, that was cool, you know. And then you do that enough and over, you know, enough shoots as many years, you start to be hired for that instead. Was part of the incentive to do that, in part, ensuring that you would get paid? Uh, and not, not to mean that you weren't getting paid for what you were already doing, but as a, as a wire photographer, a lot of the stuff is dependent on those images actually selling. And like you said, if you have the same picture everyone else has, the likelihood that the, the, the time you spent waiting for these people to show up, time at the red carpet might end up being a wash if that's all that you get. So was part of this this sort of aggressiveness on your part born out of the fact that I got to eat, I got to keep a roof over my head? Yeah, that was definitely a huge part of it in the beginning. You know, a lot of those jobs back then were on spec. 
you know, which is they give you an assignment, you're scheduled to go shoot it, you know, you arrive at five o'clock, the event doesn't begin till six or six thirty, you shoot the red carpet, maybe you shoot something else, and then uh you go home at like eight o'clock, you edit for an hour and a half, two hours. So all all in all, you're spending, you know, five, six hours on the event without getting paid. And you only make money, you make a commission on anything that sells. Now, back then, you could make a living doing that, pretty decent living. Now, it's very difficult. I mean, people still do it. But instead of shooting one event a day, they're shooting, you know, two or three events a day. And it's just very difficult because the Internet kind of killed that. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your exclusive shot of Angelina and Brad, you know, is now an exclusive shot shot by seven people. And it's on the Internet five seconds after you shoot it. So when it hits the magazine a week later, nobody cares. So it's a different it's a different environment. But back then I was like, you shoot the red carpet, but if I can get in the party and then shoot some uh, you know, couples together or shoot a couple portraits or something, uh, I can sell that. I did that a lot back in the day. Um, I used to go shoot an event, you know, my day back then would be like, you know, waking up at seven AM, shooting an event at nine, shooting something at noon shooting a red carpet at six, edit all that stuff. And then I would go to a club or a couple places I used to go to when they had celebs come in and I would get exclusives of them in the club. And a couple of times, even in a club, I would pull somebody aside and make a portrait. And I remember the first time that really, that really worked for me was when Axl Rose had reemerged after all these years. And I made a portrait of him in the middle of a club, and it was a full page in GQ magazine, exclusive. And I thought, wow, it works. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, that was good. So I think it's that, it's that drive to get something different. You know, I don't want something that everybody else has. That's, I'm not going to say it's easy, but, you know. Well, you, before you were a photographer, you were, you were an actor. And at one point, both were gigs that you were running concurrently. Yes, um, I w- Yes. Tell me about that, you know, being an, an, an actor. What, what do you feel like, not only acting, but in terms of going out there trying to find acting gigs, helped you, helped you to do as a photographer? Well, with acting, you know, I, it's funny. I don't talk about it much, but I, I have a master's in fine arts, an MFA in acting. I have a BFA in acting. And I acted professionally. I did a lot of TV commercials. I acted at some really good regional theaters and uh, off-Broadway. And the thing is with acting, which is the same as photography, you have to hustle to make a living. You can't just do it part-time and you can't just do it half-assed. Like, you got to be out there every day promoting yourself because what you are is what you're selling. It's good and bad. It's good because when you have success, you feel good because it's, it's you doing it. And it's bad because the criticism can be very hard to take. So the, the reason it helped me in photography, when I started doing photography, it was, it was an easier transition because I was already hustling and I was already internally motivated to succeed. Having the right attitude is, I think, very important. And I, I, do, I have met photographers who are like, oh, I'm not going to shoot corporate headshots. You know, that's, that's, that's below me. And I was always like, well, that pays for my studio rent for a month. <laughs> like, why, why, why wouldn't I do that for, for a day or two? 
isn't isn't the goal to be a working photographer just like the goal is to be a working actor and some people are like oh i wouldn't do a commercial you know that's terrible and i'm like well that commercial bought me a car you know so <laughs> I, I think the goal is to be working the goal is not to be you know slinging coffee or flipping pizza or something if you if you don't want to do that if the goal is to be working so being an actor it helped me you know, with internal motivation and trying to freelance, because that's a specialty in itself. And it also helped me take criticism, because I was very open to criticism and still am. Uh, you know, it's great that I shoot celebrities, and it's great that I can shoot portraits sometimes, and I shoot a couple different things, like cars and travel or whatever. I don't think I'm a great photographer. I think I'm good, and I think I have certain skills, and I work very hard. But the reality is there are a lot of people who are way better. But the business side of things is is a different story. That's what doing acting taught me, which is, uh, you know, there are certain things you have to do to make a living doing art versus do it as a hobby. So it helped with the motivation. It helped with scheduling. It helped with, you know, dealing with clients directly. Because theater and acting, is, it's a very tough environment. And... Uh, you know, if somebody hires you and you don't bring what they want, you just don't get hired again. And in photography, it's the same way. What was what was one of the hardest lessons for you to learn in, with respect to the business, whether it was an act, as an actor or as a photographer, that was like a moment that really taught you something that has been, you know, really influential in everything that you've done since? I think in both careers, you're only as good as the last thing you did. That's a hard lesson. I mean, to be very candid, you know, you know, shooting prints on tour is great. And that effect, you know, those pictures that that lasts for, you know, six months, you know, maybe you can stretch it out a little longer. As in, you know, I was Prince's tour photographer and here's the pictures and people look at them and they're like, that's great. And then after six months, they're like, you know, what, what have you done since that or what have you shot? In acting, you're only as good as your last film or commercial or whatever. People have short memories, especially now. So in photography, it's like, what is your last thing you shot? What are you doing now? What are you doing coming up? So it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's a good lesson. You can't just sit around and be like, hey, I'm pretty good. I was Prince's tour photographer a couple years ago. Like, nobody cares. <laughs> you, you have to consistently deliver good work. And I also find that that's what motivates me because it's very simple to do uh, okay work. It's really simple. And like I said, I'm not saying everything I shoot is, is great. It's not. But uh, the only way you get better or you shoot something good is to take a risk. And sometimes I've fallen flat on my face. <laughs> Seriously. So in, in terms of you know putting yourself out there in that way, of, 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 of being really on top of, of it, is it? Are you saying that you have to sh show maybe people that are in the in the news currently? Is that a way that you sort of keep yourself out there? Or is it about something about the work itself? Or is it a combination of the two? It could be. Um, I guess early in my career, I was more, more excited about shooting who's hot right now. And there's certainly something to be said about that. If you see, you know, portrait of... Uh, Jennifer, whatever her name is from Hunger Games, <laughs> I can't even remember her. 
Jennifer Lawrence. Is that Jennifer her name? Jennifer Lawrence, right. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a portrait of her, like, you know, in the next week or something, that would show that you have access. That would show that you're, I don't know. It would show that you have access, which implies a certain something about you. I guess nowadays I'd rather have just a really good portrait of somebody rather than, oh, the new hot person of the week or something. Although that would be cool. A lot of criticism comes when people are like, yeah, you shoot celebs, but, you know, that's the only reason the picture is good is because it's a celebrity. And I totally understand that. I'm trying to look at the work itself and be like, you know, is the person bringing something new? Does the portrait actually give me any feeling of what this person is like? Or is it just a nice picture? I try to give, you know, an indication of who this person is in one frame. You know, you don't always get that. I guess for me, you know, it comes back to the work, you know. Well, well part of your, your story as a photographer uh, started with your relationship with uh, Mr. Gandolfini. Why don't you tell us about that, that friendship and how that ended up leading to starting your professional career as a photographer? Well, James was a very cool guy. I met him because uh, somebody I knew was the choreographer well, was the assistant choreographer on a film called Romance and Cigarettes. And that starred James Ganofini, Kate Winslet, Susan Sarandon. I mean, it was basically everybody. It was never really released in this country. It was released overseas. However, I think you can get it on Netflix. John Turturro directed it. Anyway, this person then got promoted to become the choreographer when the choreographer was fired. I started working on the film. I was introduced to James. I became friends with him. And I honestly think it's, this was at the height of Sopranos, you have to realize. This is like, he had just signed his new contract. So it's kind of the height of his uh, fame. And I just didn't really care. And don't take that the wrong way. I mean, I I thought he was a great guy, but I'm just a guy from Ohio. Like, the whole celebrity thing to me, it's very cool, but really it just means you have a different job than most people. You know, it might be an interesting job. But in the end, since I've been around celebrities like for a long time, I just don't care about that. So when I met him and I was just not that, you know, everybody else was like, oh my God, Tony Soprano. And I was like, hey, how's it going? You know, and we kind of hit it off right away. And before I knew it, he was like, you know, I've always been interested in photography, but I never have time to take any pictures. You know, would you come shoot my son's birthday party? And would you show me how to use my new Nikon that I bought? And, you know, do you want to go on vacation with my family and, you know, take some pictures? And so it was very cool, you know, so I did stuff like that. And, you know, I never expected anything in return. He was just a cool guy and I I liked hanging out with him. And then he invited me to go to the premiere of uh, Romance and Cigarettes at the Venice Film Festival. And I basically was like, I'm... I'm broke. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do that. And he, he said, I will cover the hotel and everything if you can get yourself there. So I paid for the plane. I shot the festival. I shot him behind the scenes. When I got back to New York on, on a whim, I wrote wire image and basically said, Hey, I'm James's photographer. You know, maybe, maybe I could work with you. And I had an interview like the next day and the day after that I was shooting for them and that's how it started. Well, I don't want you to go over that too quickly because I think 
from uh, uh, listening to another conversation you had, you were in pretty desperate straits financially when you sent out that sent out that message to the Wire magazine. So, you know, you had you were there was a lot of pressure behind you in terms of taking that kind of risk. That is absolutely true. The relationship I was in had just ended, and I was kicked out of the apartment. And my apartment, I had subleased, and then I gave it up to the guy because I was like, why do I need it? But then I got kicked out of the apartment and had nowhere to live. So basically, that's correct. I was living on the floor of my office, and I I really had no money. Like That was it. I pretty much didn't have anything, and I was freelance graphic design trying to squeak out a living. And I, I kind of was like, I, you know, when you really have nothing to lose, you'll, you'll kind of just try anything. So I wrote them an email and basically said, uh, I think my stuff is pretty good. Would love to, you know, work with you. I have some James Gandolfini stuff you might be interested in. I ended up never sending any of it to them. Uh, even though James was like, oh, you could sell that for a lot of money. And I was like, well, maybe. But I never did. Um, and they wrote me back and they invited me in for an interview. And, you know, it, I mean, it kind of saved me in a way. I had I had nowhere else to go, really. I mean, totally serious. It was like some really, that was some really dire times. And then I started working for them and they're like, just so you know, you know, you'll probably have to shoot for like two or three months before you get a commission check. And I was just like, uh, I don't have any money. <laughs> That's not totally going to work. So they were kind enough to send me some paid jobs, some hired jobs. And that's how I started working with a lot of my clients. So yeah, when you have nothing to lose, you kind of just throw it out there and see if it sticks. But luckily, you know, I'd been working hard at getting better at photography. So Clearly, they saw something. And, you know, you didn't have a portfolio. You didn't have much in the way of equipment. I did have a portfolio, but, I mean, if you looked at it now, you'd be like, uh, this is a portfolio? But <laughs> what what I had was, you know, James Gandolfini's name, and I knew a bunch of celebrities from, like, other things I had done in a weird way. So, you know, I had some decent pictures, but I started off as a street photographer. You know, I started off as a guy with a... <laughs> Uh, a Canon VIL rangefinder and a, a 3528 Sumeron screw mount. And all I did was walk around the city and take street photos. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I learned from my mentor, John Straza, who's a street photographer, uh, incredible photographer. We never shot together, but he always kind of would talk about the philosophy behind a shot. Like, why, why would you take that shot? Or what made you take the shot? Or why Why did that moment come together? So we talked about that a lot. So I think to this day, that definitely influences how I shoot things and how I see things. I'm trying not to get the traditional shot. I'm trying to wait for the moment to come together to where it is something. It's almost the end of 2015, and what happened to that website you were finally planning to get around to? I mean, you've been thinking about it for a long time. You've been wanting to get your pictures out there and begin to make your photography more than just a hobby. And you know that website is a small step in making that happen. 
Do you really want to let another year pass without finally making it happen? Well, the good news is that you could have a professional website in a couple of hours and it won't cost you a thing. That's because Squarespace provides a free trial for you to get a real taste of what your images would look like on a killer-looking website. Rather than this abstract idea in your head, using its simple-to-use interface in the time it takes you to go out for a bite to eat and get back home, you can have a website that showcases your best work. Why wait another year when you can make it happen now? Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. So, you know, with, with this pressure that you have with all this limited time, with, with you being as good as your last job, um, that can put a lot of a pressure on you every time you go out and shoot because it's like it's not just this one shoot and the potential you have to make uh, some money off of it. It it can inform everything that you're going to be doing three months from now, six months from now, a year. How do you how do you sort of maintain your your your, your sanity <laughs> when you're facing that kind of stress on really kind of a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, it is stressful. It is. It's stressful on your personal life. It's stressful uh, just artistically because you're just like, you know, can I try to come up with something that's not the same thing? And what you do is you kind of realize that it's it's hard to explain. Like an actor in a movie, you know, might have, let's say, 500 lines in the movie. Every one of those lines is not the most important line in the movie. If they deliver every line like it's the most important line, it's horrible. There are certain lines that you just throw away. Now, I'm not implying that there are certain shoots you throw away. I'm saying you go in and you do the best you can at every shoot, but sometimes it's just what it is, which is a panel discussion. And you shoot it as well as you can, and you try to get something different than the other 300 panel discussions you've shot, and you try to think what could I get that's new? Have I ever done this before? But in the end, it's a panel discussion. And you try to learn which jobs you need to go for broke, you know, and which jobs you just do solid work and you deliver, you know, what you need. So for me, it's like, I'd say five or six times a year, a job comes up that you know you need to hit a home run on you might spend a lot more time thinking about it before the job, you know, beforehand. Can you give me an example of a, of a recent job where you felt, you felt that way and you feel like you really pulled off a, a shot that not only satisfied the needs of the clients, but that really satisfied you creatively? Um, off the top of my head, just a quick one. I was doing a thing with Kelly Osborne. She was launching her clothing line. It was early in the morning. She was really tired. I mean, she's great. She's always great. It was early in the morning. She was tired. So we did the setup shots, you know, her with the logo and her with, you know, the clothing and her being interviewed and all that stuff. And I was like, of course, I want to get a portrait of her. So I'm like, hey, can we, you know, get a portrait? She's like, yeah, totally. So we go to do it. And like I said, she's been on a media tour. She's totally tired. And I don't have a lot of lights with me, but I'm trying to just do something really quick. 
So in about 10 seconds, I was like, come on, Kelly, you got to give me something. I was like, come on. You know, and I, I try to, I try to elicit a reaction. I try to get something out of the celeb. So she was like, I'm tired. And I was, I don't, I don't remember what I said, but I said something and she turned profile and she stuck out her tongue and I took the frame and, uh, you know, she's sticking out her tongue with a purple mohawk and she's like, you're not going to use that, are you? And I'm like, no, of course not. I, I think it's the cover of my website right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she thought it was great. But the thing is, everybody was tired, the energy was down, and I feel like I was able to get something out of it, not the traditional boring thing, but a portrait that really, to me, says who she is. Like, this is her. She's irreverent. She's funny. She's interesting, you know? And I was like, there. I got it. So, to me, it was a successful job. Yes, I got what the client needed. They were happy, but it was successful for me personally. And I go home feeling, okay, I got something out of that for me. That was one of those times where, you know, and that was at the very end of the shoot. And you just try to persevere. And sometimes you just try to wait out the publicist. You know, they're just hoping you go away. (laughs) And if you just wait them out or gently convince them, then you can get something like that. What makes you not settle for good enough? Because a lot of photographers that go out there, they go, oh, it's just good enough. And then they're, they're happy to go go away and not make the photograph. What What's putting the fire in you to really push it in whatever way that you need to in order to get that, that, that picture? I mean, we talked about earlier about, you know, you are in just desperate straits where, you know, getting this gig as a wire photographer had to work because you had nothing else. But now, you know, you're, you're, you're making uh, a living as, as a photographer. So sometimes you could just walk away from a job just saying it's, it's good enough. But, you know, you, you push it a lot, a lot of the time. What, what's driving you to do that rather than just settling? I think for me, it might have to do in a way with my parents. Um, my mom was a teacher you know, I would enter like these spelling bees and things, and I was always a competitive person in sports, but I was never the biggest guy. I was never the fastest guy. I was definitely never the best. So I was just always a competitive person with sports or anything. I was never the type of person to lord it over somebody like, ha ha, I beat you. It was like an internal satisfaction of, yes, I scored that goal, and you didn't think I was going to do that. Really, I'm not competing with other people in my mind. I'm competing with myself. And it's just, it's just an internal thing that I, I think you either have it or you don't, or something has to ignite it. I've just never been satisfied. I'm, even when I do a good job and I shoot something and I'm like, that was pretty good, I'll go home and I'll be like, I could have done another setup or I should have brought my grid and I should have Maybe next time I'll shoot it like that, you know, and I, I think about things and I think I could have done it better. The, the good thing about the Prince tour was, you know, I got to shoot them night after night. So, you know, by the, by the fourth or fifth show, I mean, his shows are different every night, not to get on Prince again, but there's no set list. So every night it could be a totally different show. It is. All the songs are totally different. So you don't really know what you're shooting. It's not like when you shoot the police and you're like, okay, at the end of Message in a Bottle, they're all three going to come together on stage for for two seconds. 
and then they will never come back together during the show. Like, you know that. With Prince, you don't know what he's going to do. So it keeps you on your toes, but also you kind of learn his tendencies. So like by the third or fourth show, you you know when he's going to give you something. So for me, it's always, I just always want to get better, you know, and I look at other photographers work occasionally or, you know, often you see things and you're like, wow, that's really good. So I know when I get jealous and I wish I had shot something, I'm like, oh, that's really good. I need to, I need to be better, you know? So it, I, I don't know. I just call it internally motivated. You know, it's like, a, it's just something inside that, like even yesterday, I'm like, yeah, I, I got them to do the, the two setups, but maybe I could have done this or that, you know? And one thing I have learned that I'll tell you is uh, you got to let it go. So like by the time I processed those images and edited them and sent them to the client, I let it go. I, I don't sit there and think, oh, I should have done that or this. I just think next time I'll do this or next time I'll say it this way. You know, next time I'll set up two lights in advance or, you know, you got to learn from every job. So even if it's the most boring job in the world, I'll learn something from it every, every time I shoot something. I'm just totally serious. Every time I shoot something, I'll learn something. I look at your work and I think it's, it's, it's amazing, especially considering the time constraints, the stuff that you're able to, to pull off. I'm just, uh, I'm just in awe of, I mean, there's such beautiful, uh, photographs, such insightful photographs. And even if I don't know the full story about them, I can only imagine that, that all the restrictions, um, are almost make it impossible to make a photograph, but you, you're so consistent in what you're able to, to you know, pull from, uh, from these people with these portraits. But when you look at your own photographs and what are you aspiring to? I mean, I, I look at your work and I aspire to some of the stuff that you do there, but when you take a look at your own work, what, you know, where would you like to go with it? I mean, what are the, some of the things that you're thinking about? God, I want to do that differently, or I want to do more of this. What is that? I'd like to be more in control of the situation. And by that, I don't mean, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I like, I like the idea of spontaneity. And I think that's where a lot of my work works is because some things are spontaneous, but a lot of the spontaneous things are, are thought through well in advance. And I'm creating the situation where it could happen. Mm. And then when it does, I got the picture. I guess I would like to try more things in the studio um, where it's more controlled. And so where, you know, instead of five minutes, I get a couple hours and I can set up things in a way so that they could spontaneously happen. I don't know if I'm the guy where, you know, I mean, I've shot behind the scenes on a lot of uh, advertising shoots and the best photographers are the guys that the guys and the girls that set it up where this is the setup, but something else could happen. And when they recognize something else happening, they go with it. That's the environment that I want to create. You know, it's like, we're going to try this. This is the setup. Cause you have to start with something. I guess my perfect situation, it would be, you know, in, in my studio or in a studio celeb comes in and we're like, this is the concept. Or I work directly with the celeb and say, what are you trying to say? And then I come up with the idea and say, how about this? 
or just say, this is what we're going to do. You know, it's hard. There's a back and forth. You have to convince them. You're like, look, I know you don't want to take your shirt off and stand on the alligator's head, but like, that's the shot. Mm. That's really what you need. Don't steal that idea, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's totally my idea. No, uh, I, I think you have, to, you have to be a combination of a director, a psychiatrist, and a photographer. You have to be able to do all those things. So for me, it's, it's cool when I have five minutes and I can make something, but I think, well, what if I had an hour? And that happens, you know, it does happen. Uh, but it, it doesn't happen as often as I, you know, want it to. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. It's a hard thing making that jump from, you know, editorial, you know, editorial portrait photographer, location photographer to, you know, somebody where the celeb comes to you all the time. They're in town. They go to your studio. They do your photo. I think that's a shift. And I feel like it's happening, but, you know, that's a, that's a tough one. It's like going from uh, minor league hockey to the NHL. Well, one of the things that's changed in, in, in your world, is, as you may have mentioned before, was the whole idea that you were doing pictures that were largely end up in print magazines. So you would shoot an event, you'd go back to your office, you'd yeah. edit pictures, and then you'd send them off. And now, with the internet and a lot of these magazines and other publications existing online, and basically images are uploaded on people's phones almost instantaneously. Yeah. So how is that immediacy and that shortened time from capture to actual release impacting what you do day to day? It's interesting because you think, oh, because, you know, it goes out on people's phones or whatever, that it's consumed and then thrown away. So on one side, it's like, well, there's less staying power. But then on the other side, there's more demand. But for me, it's like, I don't know, it's... I don't, I don't want to say it cheapens the work, but what it does is it makes really good work stand out even more, I think. Because I know, you know, people say everybody's a photographer, you know, and is that true? I mean, everybody takes pictures, you know, which I think is different from everybody's a photographer. But I'm not going to rip on people who take pictures with their phones. I mean, I've seen unbelievable, amazing stuff you know, from people taking pictures with their phones. But I think the consumability of stuff, you look at it long enough to hit the like button and then it goes away from your memory. But if you think of the great photos taken through history, I mean, there's something about them that is not dismissible. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not, you know, when I shot Prince in concert on that tour, I wanted to shoot. I took a risk. I said to myself, I'm going to shoot it how I think Prince should be shot. And I hope he likes it, you know. And uh, it wasn't really the traditional concert photography. And because I was able to shoot the whole show, I was able to really put my stamp on it and say, this is Prince. So, you know, in 10, 20 years, when they look back on his career, he'll probably still be performing every night or something. But when they look back, I hope they look at my pictures and say, ah, this, this captured him at that moment, you know? Yeah. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to uh, recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? I'd have to say it's my mentor, John Straza. 
and that's J-O-H-N-S-T-R-A-Z-Z-A. And John studied photography in the 70s at SVA, School for Visual Arts, and in the style of Friedlander and all those other photographers, he just has a way with moments and street photography, and I don't know, it's just kind of magical. I, he's also a, uh, in incredible soul. And I, I rarely use that word, but he just has a, uh, a different, a different outlook on photography. I think he'd be a good one to talk to. Well, I look forward to checking out his, his work, but, uh, where, where can people go to find out more about you and, uh, and your work? Uh, you can check me out at www.brianachach.com. And I'm on Instagram as the the celeb snapper, which is amusing because most of my Instagram images are automotive. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be rectified soon. I'm gonna I'm gonna split those two accounts, and I do a lot of car photography. So I'm gonna make one car photography, and it might be called the car snapper. So we'll just see how that works out. Cool. Well, man, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to, to sit down and talk with you. Well, thanks. I'm really honored to be on the show. Thanks again for joining me. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. The Candid Frame is a member of TWIP, a network of photo-related podcasts. You can find more great shows on your favorite topic by visiting thisweekinphoto.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.